Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Hey everybody, it's Paul Abernathy here at Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. Today's episode, we are going to talk about a change that's going to take place. It is inevitable, and it's going to happen, and it's actually a great change. And that is to Article 310 in the 2020 National Electrical Code. Now, I know you're saying, I got the 2017 that just came out. Paul, why in the world are you talking about 2020? Well, you know, we talk code. We give you code classes. um, But I want to talk to you about the evolution of where we're going. And the concept with many people was that when you're dealing with Article 310, which was conductors for general wiring, it got confusing between the opacity tables and how you can use them, when you can use them, whether they were free air. And then, of course, it brought in this little thing called medium voltage conductors. And they were all intertwined in Article 310. And it became very confusing for people. I can tell you, as a working for a wiring cable manufacturer, uh, I spent a lot of time trying to clarify to people the applications in 310. When I teach classes on adjustment and corrections and ampacities and derating and all that good stuff, we spend a lot of time in Article 310, and sometimes people can get confused in what tables, when to apply certain percentages and things like that, so it can get confusing. So in the 2017 code, you know, we do have our derating demystified video that's available on our website, masterthenec.com. Hopefully you search for it on our YouTube channel and you watch it. Uh, but the efforts in the 2020 code by Code Making Panel 6 was to simplify the flow, if you will, of the actual article. It also made an effort to take out the medium voltage and create its own article, and that is Article 311. So some people will spend their entire career and never deal with medium voltage conductors, and so they will now, moving forward, if everything goes good, Uh, Everything goes as planned in the votes and everything, Uh, and it should because this was some very good work that was done, and it makes sense, and we'll talk about it a little bit here in a minute, Um, is that they will not need to go in 311 because they don't deal with medium voltage. Uh, But if you know your application does deal in medium voltage, then you now have the article that you can jump right into, 311, and get some information there, some guidance. But we're going to talk about Article 310 and significant how it was revamped for the 2020, or at least proposed to be revamped for the 2020. So all of you code gearheads out there who are are, are so ingrained in 2017 because everybody's switching to 2017, people are migrating from 14 to 17 code, and now you're thinking, I am not thinking about the 2020. Well, we have already gone through the first draft stage. We have already gone through the second draft stage. We are now in the middle of those code panel members. We have Most of us have probably voted by now. So we have one more stage left, and that was the NITMAMs, whereas you can bring up significant issues to the public comments uh, actions. And after that, you know, it's pretty short time that we're going to start gearing up for them to start publishing this stuff. And, and so it's right around the corner. And there are many states that will go immediately to 2020. Now, a lot of states won't, um, and so that's a, a very... Uh, uh, 
a very detailed effort, for example, by NFPA and, and NEMA and all these other associations to really push states to to adopt the latest code cycle the moment it comes out. I know Texas does it right away, uh, but other states like Virginia usually it lags a couple years. In fact, Virginia just went to 2014, and of course they give you one-year grace period, so there'll be at least three years before they even look at the 17 code. So, But I know that a lot of you out there like to hear the videos and, and hear the, the hear podcasts and videos about where we're going, and so that's what this one's about. We're talking about 2020 and what's going down the pike. So you kind of get an idea. So don't confuse this. I get a lot of people that will call me, and I get hundreds and hundreds of, of code questions sent to me and calls that come in, and I encourage them. I love helping people out. Uh, but they come in weekly, and people ask things, say, hey, I heard this somewhere. This is a code change. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to tell you up front, this is a 2020. If you hear this, don't go to some inspector and say, I heard this is the change that's taking place right now. It is not. It's in the 2020. It's proposed. Remember that. God, I get a lot of questions about that. They say, hey, hey, Paul, I heard in this code that was supposed to be this. And I'm like, I got to ask him a question. I said, what code cycle are you talking about? Because that's important. And what code cycle are you on in your jurisdiction? That's important. Okay. Now, uh, that doesn't mean you can't ask me the questions. I ask all you want. I'm open to all kinds of questions. But so let's kind of look at 310 and, and the logical flow that Code Making Panel 6 is working on. Now, I will say that the, the bulk of this work uh, was done, the reorganizing and the layout uh, was done by really two individuals, uh, Dave Messier and Chris Hunter. Uh, both of them work for wire and cable manufacturers as well, so they have a, an area of expertise in here. Uh, I don't sit on Code Panel 6. Um, but they did a lot of work in restructuring, reorganizing, probably trying to simplify things out into a logical flow. Uh, and that's how I'd like things to be, in a logical flow. I wish somebody would tackle Article 220 and come up with a logical flow to calculations. And so people can look at it and really know that whether they're dealing residential, commercial, or whatever, how they flow. Now, I think it's fairly easy because I teach a course on it and we show you how to systematically dissect it. But... We could make that easier for people. So if 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 those individuals want to tackle Article 220, man, that'd be awesome. You know, <laughs> so because that seems to be a significant confusion point for a lot of people, especially calculations. I spend a lot of time dealing in calculations and how to do load calculations. Okay, and it's just simple math, uh, but you have to have the values to be able to do it. Okay, enough of that. So Article 310, conductors for general wiring. Let's kind of look at how the flow changed. So the numbering changed, obviously. And some more significant than others. Uh, but let's kind of look at it. So 310.1 is the scope. It's going to be you know, no different than it was before, just except for the number change. Uh, 310.3, which is conductors. Again, it's going to talk about the minimum conductor sizing. Again, it's 14-gauge copper, 12 aluminum. Uh, except we're permitted elsewhere in the code. So if somewhere else in the code does permit you to go smaller than those values, maybe like an, uh, you know, might dealing with an 18 gauge or whatever, 16 gauge, uh, then it'll make reference to that. Most notably, usually up in 725, for example, uh, for signaling control. But just kind of gives you the lay of the land. Uh, conductor material, it's just really no different than it was before, telling you that if you're going to use aluminum, then it's got to be solid aluminum for 8, 10, and 12. I don't think anybody probably does that or offers that anymore, but if it's available, okay, let's say that again. That's something that people don't realize, that they still allow you to make solid 10 and solid 12 aluminum. 
Uh, although most of those wiring cable manufacturers won't in those branch circuit sizes, we do it with copper. But it is, as long as it's 8000 series electrical grade aluminum alloy, then it's, then it's okay. Um, it also goes on to say the stranded aluminum conductors 8 AWG through 1000 Casey Mill are to be marked as RHH, RHW, XHHW, XHHN, XHWN, THW, blah, blah, blah. Goes on down the list. Um, a lot of people say, why don't we see the dash 2 in here when most of our products will be THHN, THWN dash 2? That's because you just understand that the dash 2 allows you to be able to use a 90 degree temperature value under the ampacity tables for adjustment and corrections. So whether it's wet or dry, the dash 2 tells you that you can start from the 90 uh, degree and then apply your adjustment and corrections. Okay, that's what the dash 2 means. Um, so uh, that's not really going to be here because we're just talking about conductors and, and that is an actual use type and, and the dash 2 is really governed by the UL standard. Okay, for the testing, whether it's thermal set under UL44 or thermoplastic under UL83, those are the concepts that we're following there, okay? Okay, uh, let's move on down. Stranded conductors, uh, it goes on to say, look, where you're going to install them in a raceway, conductors 8, AWG, and larger shall be stranded. No option there. Shall be stranded. That's no change. That was there before. Unless, unless specifically permitted or required elsewhere in the code to be solid okay so that is some you know examples where uh in the code in grounding and bonding uh, or in pools 680.26 equipotential bonding things like that then you know it's going to tell you that it has to be solid even when it's larger than the eight okay uh and you happen to install it in a raceway but this one is we're installed in raceway does this kick in okay uh insulated conductors not specifically permitted elsewhere in this code to be covered or bare shall be insulated. So generally you insulate a conductor, but there is other aspects in the code where it can be covered, most notably like an SEU where they actually have the grounded conductor that's serving double duty back to the utility. Uh, it's just two conductors with a helical ground. Uh, it's also a neutral Um It's not an equipment ground because there's no overcurrent protection generally ahead of it that we're going to have to worry about. Uh, but it can be... Uh, simply covered, uh, and there's other aspects in it where it's permitted elsewhere to be bare, and the conductor doesn't have to be insulated. Okay, most notably, again, when we're dealing with things like pools and and, and certain types of grounding applications, um, doesn't mean it doesn't mean it can't be insulated, but it just you know it's generally uh, not uh, insulated when you're talking about the ground or the pool application, but doesn't mean it can't be. Okay, um, the only thing that would have to be bare is where it says it. For example, the equipotential bonding grid where you go around the perimeter, then that would be bare because it makes contact with the earth. But your jumpers from different things that you're bonding could be insulated. Okay, anyway, different story. All right, so it goes on, and that is under 310.3. There's an A, B, C, and a D. Okay, not real big change there except for formatting. It is now under 310.3. Uh, now, part two, construction. Construction specifications, uh, 310.4, it's conductor construction and applications. Here's where you see all the application for insulated conductors, uh, and they're all listed down here, uh, whether it's machine tool wire, whether, it, you know, whatever. It's all down here, RHH, uh, the temperatures, the sizes, the typical mill thicknesses, uh, and things like that. If there's an outer covering on it, uh, for example, uh, THHN, 
has an outer covering. It is nylon jacket or equivalent. Uh, so that gives you that long list of all those things. It even covers the Dash 2 in this list. Okay, So if you do need to see understand the, the difference, you look at this list and you'll notice that uh, that a XHHW, for example, is in a wet location is 75. Even though there's two H's there and it is a W, uh, in a dry location it would be 90. But in a wet location it would be 75. So if I wanted to use an XHHW, for example, in a wet or a dry location and I wanted to afford it of the 90 degree rating of the insulation so that I can do the adjustment and corrections from the 90 ampacity value, uh, then I would need the dash 2. And of course, that's all here, and it shows you the information, it shows you the thicknesses and all that good stuff, and it reminds you that there is no jacket on it. Again, that is a cross-link polyethylene, that's a pure extrusion, uh, so it has no covering on it. Uh, but then you kind of go down and you'll see that you now have the XHHN, which is still a thermal set product, but it also has a nylon jacketing on it, okay? And one thing you'll notice really quickly is that even though it's a thermal set and it has a nylon, that its its mill thicknesses are very reminiscent of a THHN versus an XHHW's thicknesses, which start at 30 mils uh, for 14 gauge. And the XHHN with the nylon on the cross-length uh, polyethylene uh, actually starts at 15 mils. So it's very similar to a thermoplastic THHN, except for the thermal properties are probably a little better in the thermal set by being cross-linked. So there might applications there where you might find that it'd be very advantageous for you. All right, so you kind of go down the list. Uh, one of the neat things that they have done now is a lot of the notes here are being really explanatory, and that is great. Now, they are notes, so they're not informational notes. They are notes, so they're very much applicable to a table when they're just notes. If they were informational notes, obviously, that's just good information, and it can be vital for you to understand something, but when they're just a note, then it, it really does apply. Okay. Uh, for example, the first note here says conductors shall be permitted to be rated up to a thousand volts if listed and marked. And it's a little one uh, there. So you go up there and you'll see the different things and, you, and you'll see the little marks where things are, are, are one or it has a little one beside it uh, and things like that. So they're making an effort to, to try to give you a lot more information in, uh, and that's a good thing. All information is a good thing. Any additional information that can be given uh, is is going to be a, a good thing. Okay. Um, then you go down, and it also now gets down to uh, 310.4b, which is the thickness of insulation for non-shielded types RHH, RHW, solid dielectric insulated conductors rated 2,000 volts. And here you're going to see some. These are Thick insulation thicknesses. Now, good news is most of this is probably going to be covered by the manufacturer, but it's really good information here. Uh, kind of gives you some some guidance, um, but um, it, it's just good to have here. But a lot of that's going to be covered already. Uh, the one other thing that they added that I like is the note three up to the uh, revamping of the table. 310.4a, which is the conductor applications for insulated rated 600 volts. Now, the little one up there says, you know, hey, some of them might be rated for 1,000. And an example of that would be XHHW-2, which is rated for 1,000 if it's listed and marked for it. Uh, if it's not marked on there 1,000 volts, then it's not. 
Okay, it hasn't been evaluated. I'll remind you that Encore Wire was the first to come out with a thousand volt rated crosslink polyethylene uh, XHHW-2. That is, um, that's just a little. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot to do with that, so I got to name drop it. All right. So anyway, let's go on down. Now you have the next thing. It's logical is three ten dot six, which is conductor identification. All right. Again, talks about the grounded conductor, equipment grounded conductor, gives you references to what code section is going to define that. Um, the ungrounded conductors kind of was a uh, new explanation here for ungrounded conductors and the way that it formatted it here. So it gives you good information of what ungrounded conductors are uh, and how you're identifying them and things like that. Uh, it has the markings, 310.8 is going to tell you what's got to be on the conductors, and that would be the maximum rated voltage, the type lettering, again, whether it's XHHW or THHE or whatever it is, manufacturer's name, trademark, or distinctive mark. It used to be that we would put an E number on it, uh, which is a UL mark, uh, but now most of the time we all put our manufacturer's name on it. You might as well get some marketing out of it, right? So do that on there. Um, the uh, AWG size or circular mill uh, can be either one. Uh, most of the time, we're going to put the AWG, American Wire Gauge, value on there because that's what everybody seems to work with. Um, and then um, cable assemblies where the neutral conductor is smaller than the ungrounded conductors shall be so marked. So like in an SER uh, or something like that or something like that or an SE. Uh, SEU, whereas the neutral conductor is significantly smaller than what would be the ungrounded conductors, then it'll it'll give you that on a side. But usually that's covered by giving you actual size of all the conductors on there. Okay, if they just said it was four aught and that was it, it didn't give you the neutral size, uh, then I would expect them all to be four aught. But again, when it's different, it usually puts that, and that's something we've been doing for a while anyway. So that's not new. That's already been in here. Uh, surface marking, it tells you under 310.8B1, it's going to tell you which types of cables or conductors have to have some surface marking on it. Um, so that's good information. Uh, marking tape, it'll tell you which uh, metal covered multi-conductor cables have to employ marking tape. Typically, that would be MC cable. It does have an exception that says MI cable is not required and AC cable is not required. Obviously, MI wouldn't be pretty hard to do that, mineral insulated cable. But anyway, gives you some good information here, and it does give you some exceptions. Okay. Um, you do have some exceptions. Number three, for example, for MC, it says the information required in 310.8A shall be permitted to be durably marked on the outer non-metallic covering of a type MC cable. So in other words, if you have a PVC jacketed MC cable, then you can put this requirement on the actual covering uh, rather than on a marking tape inside of it. Okay, so that's an option for you to do that as well. Uh, so the manufacturer can choose to do that if they will. Um, and then, of course, you got options for tag markings uh, where you actually can in, uh, actually put it on the actual tag. Um, and, of course, you have other optional markings and all that there. So this is good information there. Then you get down to part three, which is 310.10, and this is the uses permitted. And this talks about the real important stuff that people tend to overlook. When they call us and ask, can this be used in this and that, when it deals with conductors, it says, look, in dry locations, it says insulated conductors and cables used in dry locations shall be any of the types identified in this code. And again, it goes into, say, B, it goes, okay, any of them that are identified for dry locations, like, for example, under the, the table we just looked at, uh, under the... Uh, 
310.4a. It'll tell you in there whether or not it's dry and wet, and it'll give you that detail. So that's kind of referring to say, look, this table will tell you that that uh, uh, XHHW-2 is available in dry and damp locations and wet locations. And there's certain ones that will say just dry location. Uh, another example would be uh, type NMB is a dry location product. Okay, so that would be where you go to look for that, Article 334. So that gives you some guidance on that. Uh, but then, well, I guess what's more importantly is it goes down and says, well, what about dry and damp locations? Well, this one is interesting for people because it says insulated conductors and cables used in dry and damp locations shall be the types FEP, FEPB, MTW, PFA, RHH, RHW, RHW-2, SA. Check this one out. THHN. Now, it's not rated for a wet location, but it could be used in a damp location. So say I have a covered porch that's not subject to uh, saturation uh, and it's considered a damp location, then yes, I could use THHN in that location. I don't have to use THWN-2. Now, most of the time they're dual rated anyway, and I could use THWN or THWN-2 if I wanted to, but THHN is actually rated for a dry and damp location without a problem. Okay, so this is good information to be aware of. Now, what about wet locations? Well, that's the next one. So when it is a pure wet location, the conductors and cables, it'll tell you that number one, uh, be moisture imper- have uh, be moisture impervious metal sheathing. That would be generally is corrugated or smooth type of metal sheath products. Uh, or uh, it says two. It says. MTW, RHW, RHW-2, TW, THW. Notice all those have a W in them, okay? But you notice, again, that you don't see THHN in there because that is okay for dry, it is okay for the damp, but it is not okay for a wet location. But usually they're marked dual-rated or triple-rated products anyway, and I get a lot of calls from inspectors with that too. If something says, uh, let me use a, a most extreme example. If something says that it's used outside and it's USE-2, but it also says on it that it's RHH slash RHW-2, that means that I can use it outdoors as USE-2 direct burial. And once it goes into a raceway and transitions to a building uh, inside, let's say it pops up into the building into equipment, then I can use the RHH RHW-2 value. Okay, Just because the NEC says that that uh, USE-2 under 338 is not to come into a building because typically it doesn't have flame retardant on it. If it's triple rated, then you can bet that it has been added to it and that's how it got its triple rating. It can be used at any of those. And really the thickness is is what drives this. So USE-2 is under UL-854. It's a thicker insulation subject to conditions like being put in the ground. But an RHH and RHW-2 is also much thicker insulation. And so that also can transition into the building and be in a raceway and be okay. All right. So, yes, that magical line between outside and indoors can be achieved using a multi-rated product. Now, if it was purely USE-2, then it wouldn't be able to come into a building. Okay. But you just have to understand that there are a lot of products that are triple rated, and that's important. So a lot of, I get a lot of calls about that. All right. And next one, it says, it says, be of a type listed for use in a wet location. Uh, a great uh, example of that with a cable assembly would be 
something like uh, PVC jacketed MC, which is evaluated Article 330. It will tell you that it can be used if it's an impervious jacket or whatnot. So that would be an example of a product that be used in a, in a wet location. And usually the inner conductors in that are also going to be rated for a wet location. Okay. So you have all these things here. It goes on to talk about locations exposed to direct sun, insulate conductors. It's going to be marked as being suitable for sunlight resistant. It might say UV on it. It might say sun, S-U-N-R-E-S. All those type of things are all equivalent when it comes to the UL standard for that, so you're all good. Uh, it goes on to say 310.10E, direct burial. It says conductors for direct burial applications shall be identified for such use. It's usually UL 854. Uh, that's like a USC-2. PV is also rated for direct burial if it's marked on the side of it. So those are the type of things that you're looking for. Um, again, the next one is F, and it's corrosive con- uh, conditions. Um, it says conductors exposed to oil, greases, vapors, gases, fumes, liquids, and other substances having a, uh, a uh, I don't even get this word, it is de- deleterious effect. Okay, in other words, it's going to hurt it. All right. On the conductors or insulation. Hey, look, I'm just an electrician from Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Um, conductors or insulation shall be of the type suitable for the application. Okay? And let's see here. Let me see what I can do here. Hold on. Uh, no, it won't let me do that. Uh, I could type that out and do a a Webster's spelling, but it looks like it's a deleterious effect is what it looks like. Um so a negative effect on it, damaging effect. So it has to be the type that's suitable. So usually it'll have a marking on it, uh, PR or, or some other marking on there that lets you know that it's been evaluated for that environment. Okay, All that's governed by the UL testing standards. Uh, so um, that'll all be marked on there. But you can look for it. Uh, conductors in parallel, not, not any real changes here. Uh, again, it is... Uh, going to be under 310 dot let's see 310 g and it gives all those applications for parallel same raceways sizing uh you know one and larger and all those goodies there that doesn't change characteristics still the same same length same conductor material same size conductor and the circular mills have the same insulation type and be terminated in the same manner and again that's per phase Okay, uh, good. I could have a copper A, aluminum B, and a copper C. I could have THHN A, crosslink polyethylene B. I just have to make sure they're all the same in the same phase. Okay, and that phase all have to terminate so that the actual current divides up equally uh, in the per all the conductors that I'm doing in parallel. And again, true paralleling is connected together at each end. Okay, I get people ask me that a lot. They say, is it paralleling when I connect them at one end and then split them up at the other end? No. It's not, okay? Anyway, if you need to learn more about that, you need to watch some of our videos. All right, uh, next thing we look at is ampacity adjustments when we're dealing with parallel. It says conductors installed in parallel shall comply with the provisions of 310.15C1. Uh, and then, of course, it goes into the equipment grounding and in bonding jumpers and gives you references to where you would look for that sizing uh, or the uh, characteristics for paralleling. And that's important uh, when you're dealing with paralleling that you understand that, especially if you're paralleling the equipment ground and conductor. Okay. 
Um, let's see here. And again, like it says, when paralleling equipment grinding conductors are used, they shall be sized in accordance with 250.122. And of course, this gives you some information. Um, the next significant change is the way that they took 310.15b7. That's that little single phase dwelling service and feeders table that disappeared in the 2017 code that everybody freaked out about uh, because it ended up back in the example D7 back in Annex D. Um, and what happened was we were forcing you to be able to do a calculation. Now, the reason we wanted to do that is because the 83% based on the service or feeder rating um, of the overcurrent device, the reason we did that was to force you to have to do a calculation because typically you're going to have an adjustment or correction. And so we want to remind you that you've got to go to the ampacity values of 31015B16. You can possibly apply the 90 degree, but then you have to apply adjustment and corrections to make sure that you at least have a conductor that meets this rule and has at least not less than 83% of the service rating or the feeder rating after adjustment and corrections. Well, I think people got confused by that but I'm going to be honest with you. When the table was in there, people automatically thought that it didn't matter how many conductors you have. It didn't matter what the ambient temperature was, that whatever was on this table, you pick it, and that's your ampacity of the conductor, and you just run with it. And that wasn't the intent. But since it caused confusion, it seems that now that little table is going to make its way back into the code under table 310.12. Uh, and so I have no harm with it. It does have a note that reminds you that, that based on these values of this table, that that doesn't take into account any adjustment or corrections uh, in that. So you will have to do that. So we'll still probably have to explain to people how to do it, but at least the table's back in here. And now the note makes it clear that the values from here are, are not applying uh, any aspect of... Um, the adjustment of corrections. It's just simply taking the value here as long as all of the conditions are, are perfect and there's no adjustment of corrections. Now that might be the case in a service where you have SEU coming from a meter to a panel. It's probably not going to be over uh, three current current conductors. The ambient for the most part, you could probably stay within the 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, all of those things in consideration, then you know what? Then you could just pull your ampacity from this table. It'd be good to go as long as you meet all the other caveats in 310.12 A and B. Um, but if not, then you got to do it the old way and you're going to go to 310.15 B16, which I'm about to tell you changes in the 2020. It's now going back to the old familiar 310.16. So you can just when you got used to saying 310.15 B16, 310.15 B16. Now it's changing. It's going back to what we remember from years ago, 310.16. Okay? And I'll be honest with you, that's to kind of match the logical format of the NFPA style manual. And when it references a table, it really needs to reference it within the actual body rather than reference some kind of section outside of the general body. Uh, that gets confusing unless you're real familiar with the style manual. But they did an effort to try to correlate this and make it match the intent of the NFPA style manual or manual of style, however you like to say it. And so it just flows a lot better. So I think they did some good work here. The intent of the old 31015B7 and now 310.12A, B, C, and D didn't change um, really, um, but um, it just um, makes it easier to understand, I think. And adding this table back in and Adding some other informational notes in here uh, really 
remind you, and it does remind you that where correction adjustments are required by 31015B or C, that they are permitted to apply to the impasse associated with the temperature rating of the conductor. That's how we can use 90 if it's 90 degree rated insulation. Okay. Now remember, that's where we start. That might not be where we finish. And if you don't understand what I said there, go watch my video on derating demystified on our YouTube channel. It's free. It's about two hours long, but it really goes from the cradle to grave on adjustment and corrections and things like that so that you get a better understanding. All right. All right. So next thing we're going to move into is we're going to talk about the ampacity of conductors rated zero to 2000 amps. Now, this right here is where we start getting into the selections and things like that. So, for example, it says in 310.14A1, Tables and Engineering Supervision. So it says, Ampacities for conductors shall be permitted to be determined by the tables as provided in 310.15 or under Engineering Supervision as provided in 310.14B. Okay? So I can let the engineer come up with the ampacity of a conductor based on maybe a near McGrath or something like that. Or I can use the tables that are going to be referenced in 310.15. Okay? So I have two options. And I think most people, and this is not new information, by the way, I think most people will simply just use the, the NEC values for that. I do tell you as a manufacturer wearing cable, uh, even though whether we believe a conductor could handle more ampacity or whatnot, we leave that up to the engineers because they assume responsibility. We're very conservative, and most of manufacturers are. We're going to use the values that are agreed upon in the National Electrical Code. Why? Because most of us manufacturers sit on those committees, so we have input, so we kind of know why it went to the NEC that way. Um, but you might have an engineer who knows his condition. Uh, it's unique. And uh, they want to be able to do a, a near McGrath calculation or something, and they want to put an ampacity value on a conductor, that's fine. But they have to remember that when they do that, they own it. Okay? That becomes their baby. And can't go back to the manufacturer and say, hey, this engineer told me this conductor is good for whatever, 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 but that's not what it says in NEC. And we're going to say, that's right. The NEC's rules the day here. Now, if that ampacity of that conductor wants to be signed, documented, and sealed by that engineer, so be it. But we're not going to do it. Okay, just kind of a little insight into it. Uh, selecting of ampacity. Uh, notice here it says where more than one ampacity applies for a given circuit length, the lowest value shall be used. Uh, and again, this is where you have that exception that says that when you have different ampacities based on you have a higher ampacity and a lower ampacity based on whether or not there's adjustments or insulation or whatever that's going to change the ampacity conductor. This is that exception that says that I can use the, uh, it says that the higher ampacity shall be permitted to be used if the port, if the total portion of the circuit with the lower part of the ampacity, that's the part that's in contact with maybe the uh, adjusting or correcting uh, characteristic like thermal insulation or elevated ambient temperature, uh, as long as that lower value does not exceed the lesser of 10 feet, 10 feet or 10% of the total circuit, then as long as it doesn't exceed that, then I can discount it and I can go with the higher value. Okay, uh, So that becomes a very beneficial, okay? beneficial rule. That exception has saved a lot of people. Um, it also has a good informational note that reminds you that, hey, even with all that said and done, don't forget terminal limitations at 110.14c. They're so critical because a terminal is going to be limited anyway. So you have to be very aware of that. So 
Um, again, go watch our video on derating demystified. You'd be surprised the information that you'll learn there about adjustment correction, terminal limitations, uh, and all those things. So if you haven't watched that video, you need to go watch it. All right, again, next thing is B, which is where the engineers can do a calculation. There's a formula there. If they know all these values, then they can do that formula. And if they want to stamp, put their stamp behind it, so be it. Uh, but there you go. Uh, the next one is a change, and this is where it gets to some, some big changes here, is 310.15, ampacity tables. So ampacity for conductors rated 0 volts to 2,000 volts um, shall be as specified in the ampacity tables 310.16 through table 310.21. Uh, and of course it says as modified by 310.15A through F and 310.12. All right, so again, it will be modified based on certain conditions. And you kind of read it down, and you'll see that those conditions can be things like uh, the ambient temperature adjustment, rooftop applications, uh, whereas you have an adder that you have to add. You have This is where you typically used to see your 31015B3A uh, and things like that. And B2A now is all changed to be just simply table 310.15B1, 310.15B2, uh, and it just flows just like that. Uh, now, you still have the 310.15C, which is dealing with adjustment factors when there's more than three current current conductors. That did not change, okay? Um, but you just kind of see that the, how the flow works here. Uh, and you still have your issue when you have over three current current conductors. That table now is 31015C1, uh, 4 to 6, 7 to 9, 10 to 20, 21 to 30, 31 to 40, and 41 and over. Uh, those values didn't change, 80, 70, 50, 45, 40, and 35%. Uh, again, that is when you're dealing with more than three current current conductors. Uh, it's just a little easier uh, flow. Uh, of how it works okay uh, so it even talks about the neutral conductor and it tells you that the neutral conductor shall be considered current carrying in accordance with any of the following now that's not a change it's just the way it's logically laying out it's just a little easier to read it and understand it and if any of these conductors here uh, apply anything's here then it's not going to be um well, if any of these apply here, then the conductor shall be considered. For example, the first one says, a neutral conductor that carries only the unbalanced current from other conductors of the same circuit shall not be required to be counted when applying the provisions of 310.15C1. And of course, C1 is the number of current carrying conductors. Okay? It means you don't have to count that neutral if it's carrying the unbalanced load. Okay? Um, now, the way that that language, uh, you know, I'll leave that alone. I'll let them try to clear that up. But it, you notice it says neutral conductors shall be considered current carrying in accordance with any of the following. And it goes on to number one and says a neutral conductor that carries only the unbalanced current shall uh, from other conductors of the same circuit shall not be required to be counted when applying the provisions of 310.15C1. Uh, so... I think that there's a little more work here. Hopefully they caught that uh, in the, uh, the NITMAM stage, or hopefully we'll, somebody will catch that, because I don't like how that flows um, for that one anyway. Maybe I'm just reading it wrong, because the second one says, 
In a three-wire circuit consisting of two-phase conductors and the neutral conductor of a four-wire, three-phase Y connection system, a common conductor carrying approximately the same current as a line of neutral load currents of the other conductors and shall be counted. Okay, that was true. Uh, and then the third one is on a full wire. That's true. So maybe I'm just reading it long, uh, wrong. So the neutral conductor that carries only the unbalanced current from the other conductors of the same circuit shall not be required to be counted. So, hmm, I probably would have worded that one a little different. But anyway, doesn't matter. I believe it's the same language it was before. I think me and you both know that if it's a neutral conductor and it only carries the imbalanced current, like a multi-wire branch circuit application, then I don't have to count that as a as a current carrying conductor when I'm doing my count. If it's other than that, then I obviously have to count it. Okay, uh, so there, um, and so it goes on down. And there, here's the other thing. Now, the tables. 310.16, which used to be 310.15B16, is now going back to 310.16. And the logical flow now in the 2020 proposed edition is really giving you the four points in order to say whether or not you can actually use that table uh, or that you have to apply one of the adjustment of corrections or the number, you know, that type of thing. So it says, for example, 310.16, it says ampacities. They got rid of the word allowable because ampacities are what they are. It says ampacities of insulated conductors in raceways, cables, or earth. Uh, and it put direct buried in the parentheses there, which means we're talking about even if those that you put right in the earth. It says the maximum ampacities shall be as specified in table 310.16. And it says where all of the following conditions apply. So I can't use the ampacity from 310.15. Oh, excuse me. Now it's 310.16 in the 2020 code. Uh, we're going back to the way it was many years ago before we changed that. It says, look, are the conductors rated 0 to 2,000 volts? Yes. Are the conductors rated 60, 75, or 90? Yes. Uh, is wiring is installed in a 30-degree C ambient temperature? If it is, yes. Um there are not more than three current carrier conductors, that's correct, then I can pull the opacity value straight from, depending on what my insulation rating is, because you have three columns, right from that table. If one of those don't meet, in other words, if the temperature is not 30 degrees Celsius, or if I do have more than three current carrier conductors, then I know that I can't pull the value straight from that table, that I'm going to have to do adjustment and corrections wherever they're applicable. And I'm going to start with the 90 because we saw earlier it said that you could do that based on the insulation's rating. And then I'm going to apply adjustment and corrections and I'm going to be very aware of the terminal limitations in 110.14c. Okay, so systematic approach. I like how they're doing it. So they're qualifying whether you can use the table. And if your rules don't meet, in other words, if you can't meet and say yes to all these items, then you can't use the table as it's written. You're going to have to do something else. And it goes on through it and does one for free air. That's 310.17. It also does one for impassive insulated conductors in raceways. And, of course, that's an example of when the conductor's rating is higher than the 90. That's like the 150, 200, 250. So, or the ambient temperature is 40 degrees C. Um, and so each table is now explained out and you just go through it and go, yes, yes, yes. If there's a no in there, you're still going to use that table, but you're going to have to apply adjustment and corrections to it. I like how they're doing this. Uh, and then it goes on after that and it goes all the way down through 310.21. Again, I told you earlier, I believe I told you, 
all of the medium voltage stuff has been moved out of here into Article 311 now. So there are many people that will never deal with medium voltage, but those that do, you have your own article now for that. But here we're only dealing with 600 volt rated conductors or even 1000 volt rated conductors, or in some cases, even 2000 volt rated, okay? For like a PV or application or something like that. So here you've got to understand that where you're gonna actually be, and this is gonna help you, all right? So you move on down through it, and of course now table 310.16 is ampacities. That used to be 310.15b16, so now it's 310.16. So again, if you're old school and you remember when it was 310.16, well, guess what? In 2020 code, the proposal is to bring it back, okay? Uh, and you kind of go through this, uh, and you'll see that it has some notes here, which are really important notes that kind of remind you when you might have to make an adjustment or correction because it talks about the 31015B uh, for an ambient temperature issue that's other than 30. So really, it's just great notes. It's really leading you along and even reminds you now, again, of the section 240.4D uh, when it deals with the conductor's ratings for the overcurrent protection, except where modified elsewhere in the code. And of course, where is it modified elsewhere? Most of the time, it's for motors or HVAC or things like that when it's modified than what's normally given here. In other words, it's very common on HVAC to have a 10-gauge conductor or even a uh, maybe even an 8-gauge being protected by a 20-amp overcurrent device, and you're thinking, wait a minute, you know? Or the other, excuse me, the other way. I might have a 40-amp rated overcurrent device being fed with a 12-gauge. I said that backwards. Anyway, I can always have a larger conductor and a smaller breaker. It's the other way that sometimes can become a problem. So anyway, um, again, I won't even confuse you. Go back and watch my derating demystified, and I'll explain all that stuff to you. Um, now, it also just systematically goes through each table, 310.17, goes through 310.18, 310.19, 310.20, and 310.21. Now, it's a logical flow, and then it ends. It doesn't get any confusing after that. It simply ends. Now, if you want to get into medium voltage, you can go into the medium voltage. That's all new information. It was extracted from 310 and put into 311. But again, it also goes through the systematic approach to covering the information that's necessary for medium voltage if that's what you do, if you're in the medium voltage aspect, okay? Uh, so that's today's podcast, guys. Um, I'm excited. I think the 2020 revamping of 310 is going to be a pretty good deal. Uh, it's going to be easier to understand. I sure hope that the maybe next cycle in 2023 that somebody takes on the revamping of Article 220 uh, and make it easier for people to understand the natural flow of a calculation. If not, we'll continue to have our classes and we'll explain to you how to do calculations. But um, I think that what they did in 310 should serve as a model for how we do things in other areas of the code. Have it logically flow. Uh, and, and in some places, I guess we do do that. Uh, but I like what they did. So um, if you're a code junkie and you can't wait to get to the 2020, um, go search it on NFPA's website. You can probably get the public comment release that's already out. Second draft is already you know out there. Um, I guess it might be out there. Maybe not yet. We're still voting. There you go. We're probably still voting. Um, I know that I've cast my votes for the panel that I'm on. Uh, but... Uh, It'll come out soon, and you get a chance to look at it, so I'm kind of giving you a heads up on where it's going. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think that the Article 310 probably, if you go look at the first draft, you'll get to see how it was, because I don't know that there were a lot of changes 
that were done in the public comment stage to it. Um, I'm just looking at the public comment stage now. Uh, so, uh, and there might even been some changes in the bidding uh, when we all did our, our voting and things like that. Bidding, whatever. Voting. Um, and so, you know, you kind of got to wait and see once that's released. And of course, we'll have one more attempt at it, and that is the NITMAMS uh, coming up late next year before it's finally published. But I just kind of wanted to give you a look at how it's flowing. So, again, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at masterthenec.com or info at electricalcodeacademy.com. I'm more than happy to answer your questions. Uh, listen to our podcast. Visit our website, masterthenec.com. Uh, go to our YouTube channel. Go to our Facebook page. Uh, share the love. And until next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. looking bright every day is another beginning